Thank you, Pastor Johnson. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Isn't it good to praise God in His sanctuary? Isn't it good to lift up the name of the Lord? Let's praise Him one more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It is indeed a joy and delight to be in the Old Pass Conference, 1999, and it's good to be with my good friend, Brother Johnson, Sister Johnson, the family, and this great church family. I'll not be real lengthy in what I've got to say here, but I could just talk for a long time about their kindness, how cordial they are, the beautiful room, the nice fruit basket, the good meals, the good fellowship, the, just the kindness that's been shown. I appreciate it so much. This is a great church, and one reason it's a great church is because you have a great pastor. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you that any time you find a good church, you're going to find a good pastor. I had a man to tell me one time, he said, we could have church here and we'd have a good church without a pastor. I said, you wouldn't have any church at all without a pastor. Amen. <laughs> If you go to heaven, you're going to have the fingerprints of a man of God upon your life. Praise God. Praise God. Not only a man of God that baptized you in Jesus' name, but a man of God that taught you the Word of God, taught you the way of salvation and life eternal and how to be saved. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I thank God for the man of God that you have in this place. You've got a man of God here and. I appreciate him with all of my heart. Brother Johnson, thank you for allowing me to come. I have enjoyed every bit of it. Brother Von Morton's ministry, Brother Phil White's ministry, the Ron Garrett's ministry. And uh, I wish I could just be here with Brother Sorrel. Man, that choir was awesome. Sister Sorrel did such a wonderful job leading that choir, and that choir sings. My goodness. Hallelujah. <laughs> All the special singing music, the choir's been awesome. It's been very good. I thought Brother Johnson introduced me a moment ago. I was reminded of the fellow that was introduced one time at a meeting, and he was introduced as a gifted businessman. And he said, the man who introduced him said, he has made a million dollars in California oil. And when the man came to speak, he was rather embarrassed. And he said, the facts that you mentioned are not essentially correct. He said, I feel to compel you that it was not oil that the money was made in. It was coal. It wasn't California. It was Pennsylvania. And to keep the record straight, it wasn't a million. It was 100000 And to tell you the truth, he said, it wasn't me. It was my brother. <laughs> and he said, he didn't make 100000 He lost 100000 But he said, besides all that, I'm just glad to be here. Well, that's the way I feel tonight. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> I, I feel like it's good to be in the Lord's house. All of us. And I was saying today, as I heard Brother Morton, Brother White, Brother Garrett, all of us are born equal, but we are also different. <laughs> Amen. And all of us have the potential to stand out and do something for God. And we need to be ourselves. Be what you really are. That's the first step toward becoming better than what you are now. Amen. 
No man could be successful until he has found his place. And like a locomotive, we are strong on the track, but weak anywhere else. When we're on track, we can be strong, but we're weak anywhere else. I believe we need to choose to be ourselves. And someone said, be an engine, not a caboose. Amen. One man said it's better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. Amen. And conformity is the jailer of satisfaction and the enemy of growth. Hallelujah. We need to dare to be what God would have us to be. And uh, ask yourself two questions. If I try to be like somebody else, who will be like me? And if I'm not like me, who will I be? You see, the more we develop our potential, the less you will become just a copy of someone else. Trying to be like someone else is self-defeating. And one of the main purposes of life ought to be to give birth to what God wants to do in us. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And uh, I, I believe that God is calling every pastor, every minister, every saint of God to uh, achieve, to exceed, to excel, to go above and beyond anything we've ever done. This is the end time church, and it demands our very best. How many want to be your best for the Lord tonight? I don't want to be second best. I want to be the best I can be. I'm not talking about comparing myself with someone else. For in doing so, we would not be wise. I'm talking about being the best that I can be for God. How many want to be the best you can be for Jesus Christ? Let's lift our hands and praise Him and love Him. Whoa, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's open our Bibles tonight. It's so good to see all the ministers that are here. I am just thrilled to be here and see all of the ministers, a wonderful, wonderful group of ministers, preachers of the gospel that are here. Any one of them could be up here preaching tonight, and I would be enjoying it. They're all good men of God, and I would enjoy it so much. It's good to be here with all the men of God and their families that are here. Amen. Let's open our hearts to the Word of God for a few minutes tonight. I want to read from Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. <laughs> Someone has observed that the Bible is the only book that the author is present every time it's read. Hallelujah. It's the only book that the author is present every time you read it. I've read a lot of books, and I've never even met the author. But every time I read this book, the author is present. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I will read from Matthew 3.13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. But thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice 
from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now let's turn for a final verse in Revelation 4 and verse number 11. voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Paul said, It pleased the Father to dwell in the Son. Not two people, not two separate entities or beings, but God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you believe there's one God? If thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believed and trembled. Old preacher used to say if it had been three, they'd have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) Revelation 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I want you to notice, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I want to talk tonight about the pleasure of God. Pastor, come up here and pray for me. God, we thank you for your word that's been read in our hearing. Now, God, we pray, let this become an oracle of you, Lord. Let his lips be anointed, we pray, with coals from the altar. God, I pray, let us hear what you would have us to hear. We thank you for your mighty word. We thank you for the anointing that's here. Now, God, cause us to hear and cause us to receive what you'd have us receive. In Jesus' name, all the church said, Amen. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated, and God bless you tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says that he created all things, and for his pleasure they are and were created. Now, there's a reason why that all things were created. The birds that fly over our heads, the beasts of the field, the uh, fish of the sea, they were created to please God. The stars that shine at night, although I haven't seen any stars or moons since I've been in Colorado. Can I get a witness right there? But somewhere up there, there's some stars shining. And the stars that shine, and the moon that shines, and the sun that was made to shine by day. Praise God. 93 million miles away, God created a a little thing he called the sun to give us light by day. 250,000 miles or so away from the earth, he created something that has no light within itself. The moon has no light or ability within itself to shine. Its only ability to shine is when it is strategically positioned and placed so it can be a reflection of the sun. Hallelujah. That's sort of the way God made us. We have no ability to shine on our own. But if we can get placed in the will of God then God can shine and His reflection can shine through us. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when God made man, 
Bible says that he made him out of the dust of the earth. Now, he didn't say he made him out of dirt. Said he made him out of dust. It never does say in the Bible that he made him out of dirt. There's a difference in dirt and dust. Dirt has substance. Dirt has, uh, has, uh, has some coming together, and you can see it and feel it, and it has substance. But dust is what you feel on some pulpits, not around here. This is a clean place. I've been looking for something to find wrong with this church since I've been here. I had a man tell me one time, I pastored him for a little while, he said, God called me to straighten out preachers. And, and he didn't last very long in our church, but we had a good time while he was there. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been looking for something wrong with this church. I can't find one thing wrong with it. I mean, it's the cleanest place, the nicest place, and nicest people. No, I'm just teasing. I've been looking for anything wrong, but I've observed that everything's just right. But dust is what you find that collects just little particles. And God made man not out of the clay of the ground, but he just took some dust and made it. and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became. I said he became what he wasn't because God spoke the word. Hallelujah. All God's got to do is speak tonight, and something will happen. If you're sick, he can speak the word, and you can be healed. Right now, by the power of God. Yes. You say, I've been in the valley. God can speak the word tonight and bring you out of that valley of despair that you've been in. And place your feet upon a solid rock. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. You know, when God made man, He didn't make you. I may cross somebody's theology tonight, but He didn't make you so that you could have fun. Hallelujah. I said, God didn't make you just so you could have fun or you could have pleasure. God made you so that He could have fun. Praise God. I said, God made you so that He could have pleasure. He said, Thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure. Whose pleasure? God's pleasure. For God's pleasure they are and were created. God made you so we could have fun. You know what? When we begin to clap our hands, we begin to shout. We begin to run the aisles. We begin to talk in tongues. We begin to sing. I believe heaven has a spell. I believe there's camp meeting going on in heaven. And God's looking down saying, I like that. My Lord, I feel like having a spell here tonight. 
God. Praise God. Praise God. And so the pleasure is not yours, it's His. God made you so that you could please Him. He didn't make you so that He could please you, but so you could please Him. And when you begin to please God, Amen, then that brings God pleasure. Why don't we decide we're going to make God happy this weekend? Why don't somebody that hadn't shouted and you can't remember when just go ahead and turn loose and make God happy tonight? Glory! I believe it's time for the church to rejoice. I believe it's time to shout for joy. I believe it's time to praise the Lord. I believe it's time to talk in tongues. I believe it's time to dance in the Spirit. I believe it's time to run the aisles. Not just the same crowd, but it's time that somebody else get involved in it too. Somebody shout amen. Now you may be seated. Now, in the church that I pastor, I've been there 26 years. And if we're not careful, we have the same folks that shout every service. We have the same folks that run the aisles. We have the same folks that dance. We have the same folks that talk in tongues. And we have the same group that watches them. Hallelujah. A friend of mine was going down the road one day, very simple lesson he learned. Saw three boys out there pulling a little red wagon. They were about seven, eight, ten years old. And he said he watched them pull that wagon. One boy got a hold of that uh, uh, tongue, and he pulled that wagon. And the other boy got behind, and he pushed. And another boy just kind of walked along the side. He didn't pull our push. But when they got to the top, all three of them got in the wagon and down the cable. Enjoying down the hill. Now he said, I thought, well, I'll pull off here and watch this. Because that little boy that walked that time, now he'll be pulling this time. But he said, I watched and the same boy that pulled the first time, pulled the next time. Same one that pushed, did the pushing. Same one that walked, did the walking. When it comes time to go downhill, they all three got in the wagon. You know what can happen in a church? The same people can worship God. The same people can win souls. The same people can teach Bible studies. The same people can create a climate of praise. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a watcher or an observer. I want to be a participant. Anybody here want to be a participant? Have your hands and shout to God for joy. Be seated. You say, well, Brother Godair, I'm just an average member of this church. Isn't that good enough? 
It may not be. Average is what the failures claim to be when their family and friends ask them why they're not successful. Average is the top of the bottom and the bottom of the top. It's the best of the worst and the worst of the best. Which one are you? Glory to God. Average means run-of-the-mill, mediocre, insignificant, and also ran, a non-enmity. Being average is the lazy person's cop-outs. It's lacking the guts to take a stand in life. It's living by default. Being average is to take up space for no purpose. It's to take the trip through life, but never paying the fare. It's returning no interest on God's investment in you. Being average is to pass your life away with time rather than to pass your time away with life. It's to kill time rather than work it to death. Being average is to be forgotten when you leave this life. You see, the successful folks are remembered for their contributions, and the failures are remembered because they at least tried. But the average people that tried nothing and did nothing are soon forgotten. I don't want it written on my epitaph of the tombstone. Here lies Brother Average. Praise God. Here lies the remains of what might have been, except for the fact that he thought he was just average. I'm telling you, if we're going to make a mark on our generation, we're going to have to have somebody that's not just average. We need some Pentecostals, some apostolics that'll say, hey, I'm not just average. I'm a climber. God, are there any climbers here tonight? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I'd like to have a little dialogue if I could, and I need your help to preach for a few minutes. Now, you folks preach an old man to death. I can tell that right now. Praise God. But go ahead, praise God. I'll die with a smile on my face. Glory to God, glory to God. Now, I, I want to tell you that the reason you were made is to please God. Is this, is this mic pretty good? Give me, give me a little more volume there, brother. I, I need all the help I can get. I'm a little hoarse tonight. And, and, uh, so just, just give, me, give me a little more strength there, about like that pulpit mic. Praise God. Thank you, Bishop. Glory to God. Now, now. Why was I made? Now, I want you to help me to please God. Now, let me ask you again. Why was I made? Why were you made? Why was Brother Johnson made? Why was Brother Carrot made? Praise God. So we were made to please God. Not to please ourselves. Not to please our friends. Not to please the community. Not to please somebody else. We are put here to please God. Brother, and you can't please God living a life of sin and unfaithfulness and living away from God. You can't please God a drinking and a drugging and a partying and committing adultery. You can't please God living a sinful life. Praise God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. 
My Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you may be seated. Now, why were we made? For the purpose of our existence is to please God. That's what we're here for. Make God happy, brother. Sir. I'm not here to make me happy. I'm here to make him happy. I'm not here to make somebody else happy. I'm here to make God happy. And the only way I can make God happy is to please God. Praise God. You were not put here, my friend, to get up every morning, go to work, come home in the afternoon, watch the box, go to sleep, get up the next morning, go to work, come home, watch the box, go to sleep, get up the next morning, go to work, come home, watch the box, go to sleep. You weren't put here for that. You were put here to please God. One man said that anything that costs a thousand dollars or more only has one eye, sits in the corner, and does all the talking. I don't want nothing to do with it. Everybody still here? Praise God. So we were made to please God. God didn't make you so that you could have fun. He made you so that he could have fun. The pleasure is not yours. It's God's. I believe every one of us ought to be on a search tonight. What can I do to please God? How can I give myself? How can I pour myself out? How can I walk with God? How can I be disciplined? How can I please God? That ought to be the most motivating circumstance of my life. I've got to please God. Hallelujah. 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 And so I'm here tonight to find out and assert of what pleases God. Since I found out we've got to please God, and it wasn't made so I could have fun, but so he could have fun. I wouldn't put here for my pleasure. I'd put here for his pleasure. Hallelujah. I don't want to be born and live and breathe God's air and finally die and never understand my purpose. Some people are just existing. But brother, when you come to Jesus and get full of the Holy Ghost, you get life and that more abundantly. It's a good life living for the Lord. Hallelujah. That old fellow that used to stand up in Brother Jimmy Russell's church in Madisonville, Kentucky, every time they'd have a testimony service, he'd stand up and say, Saints, I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now. And old Rusty Goodman heard about it when he lived there, and he wrote a song. I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now. That's the way I feel about it tonight. Forty-three years ago in February, I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I got the Holy Ghost. I talked in tongues. I was born again of water and spirit. I became a part of the kingdom of God. Now then, my desire is to please Him. My desire is to please Him. God made all of us so that we could please Him. Hallelujah. God made you that you'd give him pleasure. Glory to God. Now, you know what pleases me? I'm talking about pleasing God now. You know what pleases me? I'll tell you what pleases me right now. It's a Big Mac and Diet Coke. Glory to God. That's what pleases me right now. 
Oh, yeah, junk food. That, isn't that awful? Just old junk food. Praise God. I can tell by looking at some of you folks that you kind of like it too. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, we went to Golden Crown and we ate like kings. Now then, I'm, I'm getting hungry again. I want a Big Mac with I Coke. Bless God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, if I were to say tonight, is there somebody that would run and get me a Big Mac and a Diet Coke? Somebody might say, well, if that's what it takes to please brother go there for about three or four bucks, I'll run and get him a Big Mac and a Diet Coke. But you know what I'm here for? I'm here tonight to tell you not what pleases me, but what pleases God. You know what? If you'll try to please your husband, if you'll try to please your wife, if you try to please your kids, if you try to please your grandkids, if you try to please your family, if you try to please your boss, if you try to please your neighbor, you ought to find out what pleases God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Let me ask you again, why were you made? Why was Brother Johnson made? Why was Brother Charles made? Why was Brother Garrett made? Praise God. That's exactly right. Now, I've got to find out if we're here and we're put here to please God, then I've got to find out what pleases God. If I've got to please Him, that's what I'm put here for. To bring Him pleasure, I've got to find out what pleases God. Now, in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, I've got some good news for you tonight. I'm going to tell you some things that will please God. Hebrews 11 and 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of him that diligently seek Him. Romans, or Hebrews 11 and 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Uh, in Romans 10 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Luke 17 and 5, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. So now then, I found out that you can't please God without faith. Hallelujah. I said you can't please God without faith. Now, faith has many different meanings, and I'm sure that you could find a lot of them. But one meaning of the word faith is dependence. You know why you're sitting on that pew you're on tonight? You've got faith in that pew. You're depending on that pew to hold you up. We've got a bunch of fellas on the front row here, but they got faith, see, that that pew's going to hold them up. Praise God. That's faith. You're believing that it's going to be all right. Praise God. I've got faith that at 1.34 tomorrow afternoon that there'll be a little lady come to the airport and pick me up. She's been my wife 36 years. I've got faith. I can depend on her. She never has let me down yet. Everybody understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about faith is depending. When you've got faith, you're depending on God. You're trusting in God. You're counting on God. Hallelujah. You know, uh, uh, the greatest thing, perhaps, in life is to be needed. Is that right? Isn't it a, isn't it a, isn't it a bad feeling to feel like that nobody needs you? Yes, sir. I think all of us at times have felt very unnecessary. 
Glory to God. Once in a while, Brother Garrett, I get a note from one of my uh, members of the church. In fact, there's not a week goes by that somebody don't write a note or I put it in the offering pan or slip it under the office door and they'll say, Pastor, that sermon that you preached tonight or today was just what I needed. And you know what? I'm not worried, as I said today, about preaching a fancy sermon. I just want to preach what somebody needs. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me ask you, what do you need from God tonight? Glory to God. Faith is dependence. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is believing that God will take care of you in every circumstance and in every situation that He cannot fail and He will not lie. Oh, haven't we got a good God tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Little boy came up after preacher preached on, uh, on uh, being a good God. He came up to his pastor, and his English wasn't too good, but his theology was good. He said, Pastor, he's the goodest God there ever was. Praise God. His grammar lacked a little, but his theology was all right. He's the goodest God there ever was. You know what? When I've been sick, the Lord's healed my body. When I was lost, he forgave my sins. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When I've been down, he's lifted me up. He's made a way where there seems to be none. Has anybody ever had the Lord to come through for you when you didn't know how in the world you was going to make it? How you was going to get to feeling better? How you was going to pay your bills? How you was going to make it in some area of your life and just at the right time, God came through. Oh, I'm telling you, friend, He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you, but I'll be with you all the way to the end of the world. Hallelujah. 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 I was asleep one night, and the elder about 2 o'clock in the morning. I got a call from my daughter, my oldest daughter, Cindy. And she said, Teddy, we need you. Houston, my little grandson. My four grandchildren. Sweetest grandchildren that ever lived. I thought I'd get a little, little reaction over here from a two-week grandpa. Ah, you're just a two-week grandpa. I'm a six-year grandpa, seven-year grandpa. Bless God. Now, you're a one-time grandpa. I'm a four-time grandpa. I stand with a group of preachers one time. Somebody came up with the billfold out. Fixing and show pictures of grandkids. And they said, hey, have I told y'all all about my grandchildren? One of the men spoke up and said, no, and you don't know how thankful we've been for them. <laughs> Praise God. Us grandpas have a way of just kind of getting on other people's nerves, talking about our grandkids. Then I get a witness right there. But you know what? My daughter called me and said, Houston is sick. We have to, we're having to take him to the hospital. And Daddy, we need you. You know what I did? I got out of bed. I got dressed as quick as I could. I drove 70 miles in about 40, 45 minutes. <laughs> if there's no state trolls here. And I got to that hospital. Little Houston was already had IVs in his arm. Little bitty fella laying there. He's about, a, he's about two and a half now. And he was only about a year old, year and a half at that time. And, uh, and you know why I got up out of bed? And you know why I rushed to that hospital? Because somebody needed me. 
somebody that I love needed me. Now, now, now my daughters both sing and play music. Now, if my daughter had called me at 2 o'clock in the morning, Brother Johnson, and said, Daddy, I, I want you to hang on the phone here a minute. I, I've got a new song I want to sing. I'd have said, you jump in the river. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. If my son-in-laws, both of them are preachers, pastors, home mission churches, if they called me at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, uh, Ed, we want you to hear a good talk we got. I want, you to, I want to play you a little bit of a sermon I preached at church tonight. I'd say, don't you call me at 2 o'clock in the morning to hear one of your sermons. I don't hear neither one of them boys preach even in the midday, much less 2 o'clock in the morning. No, I'm just teasing you. They stole my daughters away from me. I'm still mad. I'm just as mad as I can be about it. You know the feeling, bless God. I'm still just mad as I can be. Took my organ player, took my church secretary, took my uh, choir leader, took all of that away, and didn't even apologize. Sorry, rest. Don't nobody give them this tape. I want to stay friends with them. Too. Hallelujah. But you understand what I'm saying? If they said, I want to play you a little sermon, I'd have said, not tonight. If the daughters would have said, I want to play you a little song, little chorus I just made up, I'd have said, not tonight. But if they say, Dad, we need you. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, what do you need? I'll be there as quick as I can. Hallelujah. 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 I want to tell you that God had a good thing going in heaven. And he had a bunch of angels up there to praise him and to worship him. And one of them got the big head. And one of them got exalted. Hallelujah. And he said, I will be like the most high. And he exalted himself. And he was cast out of heaven. And a third of the angels were cast out with him. The worshiper is gone. The one who led in worship is gone now. And you know what God's looking for? He's looking for somebody at the first Pentecostal church. My Lord, I feel like I feel like having a spell here tonight. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. If anybody will stand up and say, I'll take his place, I'll do some shouting, I'll do some praising, I'll do some worshiping. Lucifer's cast out, but God, you can count on me, I'll be a worshiper. So the eyes of the Lord are standing in this audience tonight. And God says, who's going to take his place? I've got to have somebody that's going to praise. Somebody's going to praise. If you don't do it, somebody will. And if you don't do it, the rocks will cry out. I don't want no rocks crying around here. I said, I don't want no rocks crying around here.
Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's praise the Lord tonight. You have been designated to worship. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody's going to praise him. I said somebody is going to praise him. The world's not going to praise him. The drinking, drugging, partying, smoking, cussing, lying, cheating, stealing crowd's not going to praise him. You know who's going to do it? It's going to be the Jesus name. Apostolic. One God. Tongue talking church. You know what? I'm not going to let any charismatic out-worship me. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. We got the truth. I said we have got the truth. standing for just a moment. I'm going to let you sit down just a second. And I'm not going to go much longer. But the charismatic movement, as I understand it, started in about 1958 in America. Hallelujah. I was preaching in Manila General Conference in the Philippines one year, and I started getting on the plane to leave there, and I got the Manila Times, or whatever it's called, newspaper. And right on the front page, at that time, back in the 80s, the leader of the Philippines was Mrs. Aquino. Remember her? Yeah. She followed man and his wife with a woman had all the shoes. Yeah, Mrs. Marcos. Amelda? Amelda Marcos. How many pair of shoes does she have? Huh? Almost as many as some of the ladies that are here tonight. <laughs> and you know what he said? 30,000 people was in, the, was in the soccer stadium or whatever it was in Manila, and they were shouting, and they were praising, and they were speaking in tongues. And Mrs. Aquino, who is a devout Catholic, she said, you know, and I've still got the article, and I read it to my wife. We're going to play. Look at this. Mrs. Aquino was president of the Philippines said, you know, she told that crowd on Sunday, and this was on Monday morning, that the Catholic Church started charismatic movement. He's a devout Catholic. Where was it? Up at Duquesne University and then over at Notre Dame and some of those places? Isn't that right? Duquesne University? Praise God. She said, we started the, the, the charismatic movement to give our people an outlet where they can go and have a good time, but still come back Mother Church. That's what she said. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a part of that Mother Church. 
I believe that Jesus' name was God message from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And brother, if a bunch of charismatics can sit around and share and shout, I believe some one God apostolic people can praise the Lord with everything within us. it been since you talked in tongues? How long has it been since you leaped for joy? Come on, let's try it. Let's try it. Come on. Let's leap for joy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody tell me why we were made. What is it that pleases God? What is faith? Thank you, dependence. Depending on God. Somebody shout dependence. What is it that pleases God? What is faith? It's depending on God. You may be seated for just a little bit. I want to wind this up. My Lord have mercy. Praise God. And you know what? You can't sit around and worry about what somebody else thinks about you. I've had saints tell me, I would have shouted, but I wondered what so-and-so would think of me. I've heard folks say, I would have shouted, but I didn't feel worthy. You won't ever get plumb worthy, bless your heart. Hallelujah. But if you've repented, been baptized, and got the Holy Ghost, if you've done something wrong, this is a good time to repent. And make it right and get the joy of the Lord in your heart. Maybe see this. I heard about a father and his boy who was taking a donkey to market. And the father was sitting on the donkey and the boy was walking. Came by some folks standing beside the road. And the critics said, What a terrible thing. A big strong man sitting on that donkey's back. Poor little boy's got to walk. And so the father got off. And he put the boy on the donkey, walked along a little while, and came to another crowd. And they said, look at that, how terrible that is. The strong man walking, that little boy sitting up there. So they both got on the donkey's back. And then went along a little further. Some folks said, look how crazy that is. Both of those people riding that poor little donkey. Hallelujah. Then they both got off. You know, that's what happens. You try to please everybody. So then they both got off. Then they walked on a little further. Some crowd said, look how crazy that is. The donkey's got nothing on his back and two people walking along beside of him. And you know how they finally got that donkey to market? The man and his son picked up the donkey and carried him to market. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to tell you? You can't please everybody. You just might as well go ahead and have a good time. <laughs> 
Praise God, praise God. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be, a church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way, a church that has no empty pews, whose members never has the blues, where gossips never peddle lies or make complaints or criticize, where all are always sweet and kind and do others false or blind. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still we'll work and pray and plan to make our church the best we can. Hallelujah. Friend of mine down in Mississippi one time, uh, I met a man on the street, and he said, Brother, I haven't seen you at church in the last uh, six or seven weeks. And he said, Yeah. Brother Pipkin, he said, I'll tell you why. He said, You've got too many hypocrites over at that church. And Brother Pipkin said, Come on, one more won't hurt nothing. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll tell you something. If you're looking for a perfect church, the day you joined it, is the day it loses perfection. Because with that kind of spirit, am I right or am I right? I said with that kind of spirit, you wouldn't help that church any at all. But I believe it's time for every man, woman, boy, girl to say, bless God, I may not be the best at everything, but I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to please God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to pay tithes. I'm going to worship. I'm going to live for God. Whoa, praise God. You may be seated. So what is it that we need to do? Huh? Please God, yeah. How can we please God? By faith. What is faith? It's dependence. You know what? I preached my first sermon in 1958. Now, that's been several days ago. And believe it or not, I can remember back that far. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember 40 years ago. I went to, my dad was pastor in church in southern Missouri. And a uh, pastor in New Madrid, Missouri, a little small town of 3,000 people, called me. And, and he said, uh, I don't know if you'd preach for me tonight. I'd never preached away from home. I'd never said I was a preacher. Nobody, I'd just sort of talked in the youth service and give a little sermonette or whatever you want to call it. But he said, I don't know if you'd preach for me tonight. And I turned to my dad and I said, Brother Collins wants me to preach for him tonight. He said, well, what do you want to do? I said, what do you mean? You're my pastor. He said, well, go ahead and preach for him. I never preached. So he sent a boy along with me. I was 18 years old. He sent a boy along with me. And I know I didn't know then. I was too scared. But I know now that he sent him along to check on me. They didn't tape the services back then. But he came back home to tell my dad sort of what kind of mess I made. Yes, sir. Praise God. And I got up there and preached. I never will forget it. I remember everything about that church. They had a register board up there like they used to have. And it said, attendance today, 164. Offering today, $33.78. I remember that as well yesterday. Praise God. And the pastor had gone, and he said, I want you to preach. I got up to preach. And you know what? All the way from the time he called me that Sunday afternoon, I was scared to death. And I said, oh, God, oh, God, would you help me? I don't want to go to that pulpit if you don't help me. God, I don't want to preach tonight if you don't pour out your spirit on me. I, I just told God how sorry I was. God, I can't preach. I can't talk very good. If you don't help me, I can't do it. All the way up there, Eugene, the boy went with me. He was trying to talk to me. None of my prayers. I was saying, God, if you don't help me tonight, I'm the biggest flop and failure there ever was. You know what I was doing, Brother Garrett? I was depending on God. 
Hallelujah. I said the first sermon I preached, I was depending on God. Then a preacher called me the next week down in Mississippi and said, I want you to preach a revival. So I went down and preached a revival. And, uh, and then for four years, I was never a week without a revival. God just opened the door. Never called anybody. Never asked anybody if I could preach. Just God made the way. But you know what I did? I was a young man. And I was saying, oh, God. Oh, God. I've got to have you. I can't preach without you. I can't make it without you. Did you know what? In, in, in April the 30th, 1999, I got on my knees this afternoon in that motel room. And I said, God, I can't preach this sermon tonight if you don't help me. You know what I'm doing? I'm depending on God. Oh, how many folks in this place has ever sung a special song? I'm not trying to trick you. Raise your hand. You've ever sung a special song. How many folks have ever led a choir? Hallelujah. I want to tell you something about you. That's probably true. First time the pastor said, would you sing for us? And you never sung before. You said, oh my God. And you got off somewhere in the prayer room or at home and you prayed, oh my Lord. Help me. I've got to get up in front of all those people. I've got to sing tonight. God, I've got to have you. My singing won't be any good if I don't, if I don't have you. I've got to have your power. And if you don't touch me and bless me, I, I, I just can't sing. And God, the pastor's asked me to lead this choir and, and I can't lead this choir. I, the pastor's asked me, I, the choir leader's asked me to sing the lead part in the choir and I can't do it God if, if you don't help me you know what we did we prayed we sought God we was nervous we was depending on God I'll tell you special singers something you better feel the same way about it tonight don't you become a professional at this business Lord, I wish I could say what I feel I'd say. I wish my English vocabulary was good enough to say what I want to say. We'd better stop singing mechanically and playing music mechanically and preaching mechanically. We'd better start depending on God. You know what I did? I went to Blue Mountain, Mississippi, preached a revival. And it started on Sunday morning. There were about 200 people in that church. And uh, I, 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 they asked me to preach. I had never preached a revival. pastor felt sorry for me, I'm sure. I hadn't been preached for him. I preached on Sunday morning. One soul went to the altar. I preached Sunday night. 200 people there. Nobody went to the altar. Monday night. Back then, seven nights a week. I preached as high as five months and never missed one night. Went to 13 states and never missed a night. Traveling that church at night and all the next day. Some of you young men want to be a preacher. Some of you ain't got what it takes. Well, I didn't mean to say I don't get off you. I said you ain't got what it takes. If all you can see is eating fried chicken, drinking iced tea, and riding around in a good car, you ain't got any concept of what it's all about. Hallelujah. There's more to it than eating fried chicken and sitting on the platform. Brother, it takes a burden, a call, a compassion. Something driving you and pushing you into the mainstream of God's purpose for your life. You say, I want to be a preacher. All right, go out and start your bus route. Go out and start bringing somebody to church. 
I don't want anybody to claim to be a preacher in my church and not a soul winner. And I tell them in the pulpit, don't you even come and talk to me about preaching if you're not a soul winner. I don't want to even discuss it. So you start winning some souls. You start getting a burden for the lost. It's not just to get up here. A little boy told his mama, said, I want to be a preacher. When I grow up, she said, oh, that's a wonderful idea, very noble. What makes you want to do that? He said, well, looks like I'm going to have to go to church all my life. And he said, it's going to be a lot harder to sit down in these pews than to stand up there and holler. Praise God. But there's more to it than standing up there hollering. I preached Monday night, not a soul came to all. I preached Tuesday night, not a soul came to all. I preached Wednesday night, a crowd about the same every night. I went back to pastor's house where I stayed, and I got on my knees at 11 o'clock. And I said, God, I'm going to have to settle something with you tonight. If I'm not called to preach, this is time for me to find it out. But I'm not going to preach to empty altars, and I'm not going to preach to empty baptisters. If you call me to preach, I've got to see something happen. I've got to see some results. 12 o'clock, I still pray, and I'm not trying to talk. I'm telling you, I desperately need an answer. At 1 o'clock, Brother Garrett, I still pray, and I said, God, I've got to have an answer tonight. At 2 o'clock, I still pray, and at 3 o'clock, I said, God, I ain't preaching another service in this church. The empty altars, these are sweet people. They're feeding me and taking care of me, taking up an offering. I ain't taking the money. I'll go back home and get a job. I had a job. I was making good money, even as a teenage boy, when God called me to preach. I said, I'll go back home and get a job. About 4 o'clock in the morning, the Holy Ghost lifted me off of my knees. And God put me to shouting and talking in tongues. And God said to me, not in an audible voice, but it was just as plain as it had been. God spoke to me and said, I've been trying to tell you that you can't do it. I'm teaching you a lesson that you will never do it. That you better depend on me. You better trust in me. Hallelujah. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Hey, hallelujah. And I started shouting and praising God. Went back to church that night. Same crowd was there. Gave a simple message and an altar call. And 15 came to the altar. And five of them got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we started having revival. You know why? An 18-year-old boy said, God, I'm depending on you, and I ain't preaching if you don't help me. Hey, preacher, you better depend on God. Singer, you better depend on God. Sunday school teacher, you better depend on God. Usher, you better depend on God. The last verse, I want to give you this, I'll close. The last verse of Romans 14. If our musicians will come, don't play yet, just get ready. But I want you up here, please, if you'll come, get ready. Last verse of Romans 14. And I know the subject, I know what it's talking about, the whole subject. But here's what the verse said. Last verse of Romans 14 said, That which is not faith is sin. Are you with me? That which is not faith is sin. Why was we put here? Somebody help me, come on. Why were we put here? What is it that pleases God? What is faith? And if you don't have faith, what do you do? You sin. That which is not of faith is sin. That means if I come to this pulpit, if I go to my pulpit any Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, Tuesday night when I have Bible study and I don't depend on God, I've committed a sin. 
That means if I get up there and try to minister to those sweet people in Durham that love me and they love my family and they love our church and they pay their tithes and they give offerings and they support 115 missionaries and, 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 and the good sweet people. That means if I go to that pulpit and I don't depend on God, I have committed sin. And that means if you go to your class Sunday morning and try to teach that Sunday school class and you don't get on your knees some words say, oh God. I've got to help you. These kids have got to have something. You don't study the lesson and you don't pray and you walk in that class. You have committed sin. That means if the pastor asks you to sing Sunday night and you don't pray and you don't depend on God, but you're depending upon your fleshly ability, then you have sinned. That means, that means if you come to play music and you don't pray and depend on God, that you've committed sin. That means a bus captain runs a bus route and don't depend on God, he's committed sin. That means if you drive a church van and don't depend on God, you've committed sin. That means if you come over here to usher and put an usher's coat on and you don't depend on God and pray and get the mind of God, you've committed sin. We need in the apostolic movement tonight a total dependency upon and if we don't depend on God, we have sinned. If you try to raise children in this wicked world and don't pray over those kids and depend on God, you've committed sin. If you send those kids off to school uh, Monday morning, praise God, you are closer than anybody to what happened over here uh, nearby. But brother, if you send those kids to school Monday morning or any morning and you don't pray over them and thank God for mercy and protection, you've committed a sin. That means if you drive to work and you try to make it on your own and you don't pray for God's help, you've committed sin. That means if you're thinking about getting married and you don't build your marriage on the will of God and don't depend on God, you've committed a sin. Oh, I know that what I'm preaching tonight is not popular, but it's what God gave me to preach. I've heard people say, Brother Johnson, did you hear about so-and-so? They fell into deep sin. Ever heard that? Did you hear of so-and-so? My question is, what is a shallow sin? We categorize it. What is a shallow sin? Praise God. Somebody said to Brother J.T. Pugh one time, said uh, we was uh, praying with somebody and said, I hope they got a good case of the Holy Ghost. Brother Pugh's answer was, did you ever hear of a bad case? I've never heard of the bad case of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. If you get it, it's a good case. Hallelujah. 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 Let me ask you again tonight. Why were you made? What pleases God? What is faith? What if you don't have faith? What do you do? So let's start tonight. If we're not doing it, let's depend on God for everything. Let's depend on God for everything. He didn't say fancy sermons please Him. Our good-looking faces please Him. Our smart people please Him. But He said, what is not of faith is sin. You can please me with your faith. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Oh. Let's pray a little while, Pentecostals. This, the Spirit of God's here right now. Let's pray a little bit here now. Halakohoyakahashihatalabah. 
I'd rather end this service my own feeling night with you shouting and rejoicing. But right now, I feel like we're in the will of God. Hallelujah! Somebody, some preacher needs to say, God, I'm going to start depending on you before I preach a sermon. I'm going to start depending on you before I teach a Bible study. I'm going to start praying depending on you before I teach a home Bible study. I'm going to start praying and depend on God before I sing or play music or before I teach that Sunday school class. Hallelujah. I'm going to start depending on God. Hallelujah. I feel like we all ought to stand right now. And unless you really have to move out of the building, I wish you wouldn't do it right now. I wish everybody would stand with me and lift your hands right where you are. Let's worship the Lord. Would somebody pray tonight, Oh, God, I've got to depend on you. I've got to depend on you for everything I do. For everything I do, oh God, I've got to depend on you. Why don't we just get in one mind, one accord, and one spirit, and let's lift up Jesus right now. And let's, just, let's just see what the Holy Ghost wants to do in us right now. like in our Pentecostal churches if we'd say, did you hear that so-and-so fell in deep sin? What'd they do? They tried to preach a sermon Sunday, and they didn't pray, and they didn't get the mind of God, and they didn't seek the Lord. They fell into deep sin. So-and-so tried to usher in the service, and they never prayed because there's going to be some visitors, and they need to meet people with a smile and shake their hand and greet them, and they need to see people, and they need to have the mind of the Spirit. Somebody was a receptionist, and they never did pray about greeting those visitors. Somebody played a song. They fell into deep sin in our church. What they do, they sung last Sunday night, and they never depended on God. They just depended on their talent and their ability. And so the old carpenter got ready to retire. And the boss came to him and said, I'd like you to build one more house. And he said, I don't want to build a house. I'm tired and weary. I want to retire. And he said, sir, build one more house. Build me one more house. And so the worker said, all right. The contractor, he said, I'll build you, sir, one more house. It's a personal favor. 
But he didn't have his heart in it. He resorted to shoddy workmanship. He used inferior materials. It was a very unfortunate way to end his career. He, he didn't use good materials. He didn't build it. He, he rushed through it and didn't do it right. And after all, it was his last house. Who was going to care? The bad way to end his career. But when the carpenter finished his work and the owner came to inspect the house, he said, it's all finished now, sir. And the owner took the keys out of his pocket and said, here they are. This is your keys. This is your house. This is my gift to you. And if he'd have known that he was building his own house, he'd have took more time and care and would have built it better. But he thought he was building somebody else's house. And in reality, it's building his own. Friend, spiritually speaking, you're building your own house. It may be the last one. I want Sister Sorrels to lead us in a song, along with the other singers, whoever. And I want somebody, anybody. Don't do it just because somebody else does it. But I want somebody tonight to say, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, maybe I haven't. I, I, I'm not saying you are a wonderful people. You're not hypocrites. You're not sinners. I understand that. But sometimes even we good people can kind of get a little lax and cold. And I'm calling on somebody to come and find a place to kneel and pray tonight and say, God, I'm going to start depending on you for everything I do. Who is it? Preacher? Singer? Jesus.
you.